On September the 13th, 2007, Fairfax police officers were dispatched to a residence in Northern Virginia in response to a 911 call reporting a stabbing. When the police arrived, they heard the wife of the victim say, My son has stabbed my husband. Today, we look at not guilty by reason of insanity. I've got two cases for you today. In both instances, it's where sons have taken the lives of their parent. I've got the case files over here. Now we start with Mo, which is short for Mohammed. He murdered his father. I do have his full psychological evaluation, but there is a caveat. Not in the case file, not in the internet, nowhere, even with the police, could I find a single photograph of Mo or his family. Now I can't give you his full name because he has subsequently been released and for obvious reasons I don't you know want to put his name out there if you know what I mean. But to make it up to you for the lack of visual insight I should have his interrogation in the next few days. Maybe I'll post it before this video maybe it'll be after this video it just depends when I get it but I promise I do have the interrogation coming that will be on my interrogation channel link to that is in the description. Now the second story is of Jayant Kadian. He ended up murdering his mother. Again, I've got his case file over here. So if you do end up liking this video, please subscribe. Worryingly for the police, Mo, the suspect, was not at the apartment when they arrived. The victim, Abdul Kader, was found on the sofa laying on his back by the police. The next day, on September 14th, 2007, a green minivan pulled into the Reston District Police Station. Mo, he got out of this van, he approached the police and he wanted to turn himself in. When he got to the police station, he told the police that him and his father got into an argument and he left. He went on to ask the police, is my father still alive? The police reported Mo had bloodstains on his jacket and shoes. The police also confirmed that he had a receipt in his pocket from Safeway for the purchase of a kitchen knife and wood spoons dated September 13th, 2007. Now when the police interviewed him, Mo said, I've never thought about hurting my father, but I keep having these memories of when we were back in Africa and he was on top of my brother sexually assaulting him. He told police he bought the wooden spoon with the knife as he didn't want the cashier to think he was doing anything wrong. He then told police he went back home turned off the light and stabbed his father who was sleeping at the time. Mo told the police he does know the difference between right and wrong but he felt like he should do his religious duty. He also told police that he planned after the stabbing to go to the shore to build a boat and to leave the country. He also told police he did plan on taking the life of the President of the United States. Now looking at the psych report at the time Mo was around 24 years old he had four sisters and one younger brother. Mo is of Somali descent and due to the civil war in Somalia, he moved around a lot with his family and in 1997, they came to the USA as refugees. Whilst attending high school, he was teased a lot and his peers would accuse him of being gay. According to his family, he had no romantic relationship that they knew of and in terms of his medical history, he wasn't on any drugs but did claim he had experienced multiple head injuries as a child. Which isn't surprising considering he did flee civil war. In 2006, Mo started to isolate himself from his family. His grooming and hygiene deteriorated 
and he expressed paranoid thinking. He often accused his family of saying bad things about him. He claimed his brother was a drug dealer when he was not and that his sisters were being unfaithful to their husbands. More himself, he broke three TV sets as he thought TV was bringing corruption to their lives. Now in his psych report, Mo did confirm he suffered from auditory and visual hallucinations. He would see ghostly figures and was frightened by them. Now his mother did believe that he had demons in his head and she did advise Mo to go see a counsellor at his local mosque which he did once and never again. Now this part is actually critical. His mother thought, okay, well, he doesn't seem to be right in the head. He's seeing things. He's saying things that aren't true. So he should go to the mosque and seek spiritual help. And the way this would have worked is he would have gone to see the imam. The imam would have told him, well, make sure you pray. Because as Muslims, we have to pray five times a day, right? And make sure you remember God. Like, you know how when people go to church or when Christians pray, they have the beads? Right, well as Muslims we have a similar thing, right? It's called remembering God. You may not believe in God, that's okay. I'm just trying to give you the context of his mother here. So the the mosque would have told him to seek repentance, to remember God, make sure you keep your prayers. And then also what they would have done is maybe something like put some sacred Arabic words on a piece of paper, put it inside some water in a bottle. And then just tell him to drink it periodically. Consider that holy water, so to speak. Now, I know, again, you may think it's hocus pocus. I'm just trying to give you an indication that the mother did try to help him in a spiritual way, but a light-hearted way. It wasn't forced. It wasn't damning. It was just generally out of concern. You see what I mean? Now, when Mo was seeing the court-appointed psychologist, his purpose of meeting the counsellor at the mosque was to get his father out of the house for molesting his brother when they were younger. Mo said he suffered from hallucinations since he was a child and on several occasions he believed he heard his mother and sister say, kill him, he's gay. Mo reported to the psychologist a history of seeing things as a child such as people walking on trees, ghosts and people inside walls. In addition to the psychotic symptoms Mo reported, a number of obsessive compulsive symptoms including repetitive hand washing, obsessive masturbation and a preoccupation with wanting to do things the right way and thinking about the same thing over and over again without being able to stop was something he was suffering with. Now when he was speaking to the police he gave his own version of events and these events were quite disjointed and Mo was just rambling. He claimed he acted out of delusional belief that his father was gay, had molested his brother when they were younger and that his father intended to assault Mo himself. Mo then said he received signs from God that he should kill his father because he was gay. Mo believed that at the time he was seeing God, he was having visions of God and if he didn't believe or listen to anything God said then he thought God would think of Mo as just another one of them and that he would end up being gay himself. He thought to himself he had to fulfill these signs he was seeing. He said a feeling came over him, his legs started shaking and he just kept hearing, kill him, he's gay. Now based upon his clinical evaluation, he was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder. This describes a combination of symptoms that includes both psychotic and mood symptoms. Mo was consistently experiencing paranoia, disorganized thoughts, delusional thought content, agitation and racing thoughts in the previous two days leading up to the murder. Now eventually in 2009, Mo was found not guilty by reason 
of insanity. And as I said, I should get the interrogation soon. So once I get it, you can watch it and you can judge for yourselves how you think Mo should have been best assessed. Now here is part of his psych report. You can see from points one to four on what kind of treatment he should receive. It mentions medications, group counseling, individual counseling and family counseling. Finally, the psychologist confirms Mo is mentally ill and requires inpatient hospitalization. As I mentioned earlier, after spending nearly 10 years in this institution, Mo was released in 2019, having gone through a successful behavioral therapy program. But here's the point. Mo was suffering, committed a crime, was caught of the crime, went through the system, and is now rehabilitated according to the experts. How do you feel about it? Given what you know of the story, how he had visions as a kid, paranoid about his father, ends up murdering his father, goes to a medical institution, they find him now competent, and now he's out in the open. How does that make you feel? We now move on to Giant Cadian. On Thursday, March the 24th, 2005, members of the Fairfax Police Department went to the Cadian residence in a response to a 911 call. Upon arrival, the officers found the deceased, Kieran Cadian, in the kitchen with multiple stab wounds. When the police couldn't find her son, Jayant, they contacted police officers in Harrisonburg, Virginia, where Jayant had been attending school. They did this to advise them of his status as a missing person. The next morning, Friday, March the 25th, 2005, at 9.30am, Jayant was found asleep in his car by officers with the James Madison University Campus Police Department. They knock on his window. Eventually, he wakes up, opens the door. They haul him out. They arrest him. They take him to the police station. Then, Fairfax police arrive to question Jayant. When they arrive, he was sitting in a chair and he was wearing a grey fleece over a brown sweater and had red stains. He was wearing blue jeans, which also had red stains on them. The police said to him, his sister and father were concerned about his welfare, and the police asked, do you know why? And Jayant said, yes, because I stabbed my mom in the neck. So the police asked him, okay, what is the problem between you and your mother? And he said, it started a long time ago, when I was back in high school. He said his mother was giving him a hard time, and he eventually withdrew from James Madison University because of his depression. He also attended Blue River College, but had failed out of school. The police then asked Jayant if the problem that occurred between him and his mother during the incident was anything to do with his mother wanting him to see a psychiatrist. Jayant felt that he had already seen a psychiatrist, he didn't need to see another one, so he just found this annoying from his mother. He also went on to say that the problems between him and his mother escalated when recently before the incident, he was arrested for having marijuana possession. Regarding the incident itself, Jayan said he was up around 9.30am. He sat in his room for a while and then went downstairs. At that time, his mother told him she wanted to take him to see a psychiatrist. Jayan then became upset at his mother's request. He claimed his mother was always on his back. He went on to tell the police. He saw the butcher knife inside the knife block. And then I fucking axed her. And it was weird. At the time during this conversation, his mother was preparing food for him. And while she had her back to him, he picked up the knife and stabbed her on the right side of her neck. 
His mother falls on the floor. Jeon gets to his knees and he starts stabbing his mother more and more in the neck. He said he wanted to kill his mother real quick and once he started he just kept going. After he stabbed his mother he became real nervous. He washed the knife in the bathroom next to the kitchen and placed the knife on the dining room table. He eventually left the residence in his car and realized he had a cut on his right hand from the incident and put a band-aid on. This band-aid was recovered by the police at James Madison University. He left the house. He didn't take anything with him except $4 so he can buy food from Taco Bell. He also used his father's credit card to purchase gasoline. Jaren confirmed to the police he could read and write English and was under no medications. He had prescribed antidepressants but did not take his medication the day of the incident. The reason he ended up at James Madison University is when he returned home, he saw all the police cars outside his residence, so he turned around and drove to the university. He told police he didn't want to go back into the house because he did not want to get caught. The police then asked him, okay, has your mother ever threatened you? To which Jayan said, no, my mother's never threatened me. He said his mother wanted him to go to a 28-day rehab program, but he didn't want to and his mother kept bantering him about different things. There were many personal problems between Jayan. Jayan confirmed to the police he could read and write English and was under no medications because of his depression and described himself as a social loner. He did tell the police that he knew he was wrong and he wasn't suffering from any hallucinations at the time of the murder. Jayan was then charged with murder to which at trial he took a plea agreement in 2006. Now I wanted to show you this document. This is his charge sheet so to speak. Now in the state of Virginia, I don't know if it's like this in other American states, but specifically in Virginia, you get a score for each offense committed as you can see on the right. This is the official scorecard for Giant. So he was charged with one count of second degree murder. So you can see he gets a score of 205. He gets one for less than one prior conviction. Then he gets two added to his score here with a total of 208. So what does this all mean? Well, here are all the scores with the potential sentence. And he was sentenced between 13 and 21 years in prison. Now, if we assume he serves his full 21 years, he should be released by around 2027. If, of course, he hasn't been released already. So in both stories, we see mental illness play a huge role. In the first story of Mo, it's pretty clear to me that he was suffering from, I mean, when you're hearing things and when you're seeing things, like sometimes, like I, my brother has suffered from stuff like this. And I realized that he kept putting headphones in and he kept listening to music to ensure, like as a distraction from whatever noise he was hearing. Do you know what I mean? Perhaps in the case of Mo, Civil War may have played a part in his psychological state. I don't think his father or his parents ever treated him badly from what I ever, from what I saw in the case file. But regarding Jayant, I think this was a case of where he just couldn't handle the pressure. I'm not trying to downplay how psychologically he must have felt low, a social loner as he puts it. But none of that is justified in murdering your mother. In the case of Mo, where he acted on forces beyond his control, it seems to me, and you have to remember this is mid-2000s, marijuana isn't what people think of today, I think his mother was just unhappy that he smoked quite a lot of weed, right? So she thought to himself, I need to fix my son. He's a drug addict, etc., etc. I mean, he wasn't a drug addict, but 
back then the attitudes were a lot different and i think she just wanted the best for her son she wanted him to succeed in school and i'm pretty sure she probably said to him hey i want you to get you know great grades and i want you to get a good job and make money and get married and all that usual hullabaloo and maybe he just couldn't handle the pressure either way tell me what do you think mo was he justified jan did he go over the top comment tell me what you think